and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. And that's what God will confirm for you today in the name of Jesus. Amen. The word will enter your heart. Amen. To give you light. Amen. To give you direction. Amen. To give you healing. Amen. To give you soundness of mind. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. It will give you sanity. There are many things in life can drive somebody crazy. The Bible says when our heart is overwhelmed, you know, sometimes people's hearts can be overwhelmed. But listen to this. The word will give you the peace of God that passes all understanding. In the name of Jesus Christ. Every affliction in your flesh is driven away by the entrance of this word today. In the name of Jesus. All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. While you are greeting somebody on your left, it's very nice to sit beside you with somebody else. Tell the person you'll be blessed because you are sitting beside me. Say, say there's, a, there's a glory around me. There's glory around me. Yes. Ah, are you afraid of it? Tell somebody now, brag on it, you know. There's a glory around me. So you'll be blessed. You will be blessed. You will be blessed. Uh-huh. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Okay. Higher purpose for Christian prayer is what we are going to continue looking at again, which we have been looking at for some time. The, uh, the concept of higher purpose is that we need to get off the lower one. And what I, one thing that has been burning in my heart in the last term, well, in recent times, is for Christians to leave you know, lower Christianity and go to a higher level, shallow Christianity, and go for what? A deeper walk with God. And that is very strong for me in my heart. Enough of childishness, enough of us pursuing things that don't have to, anything to do with eternity. Let's forget those things. Even when it comes to our prayers, Prayer was given to us as a tool, you know, and it's a crucial tool that's supposed to help us do God's will on the earth. You know, I'll give an example. Jesus made us learn to pray like this, that will be done on earth as it is written in heaven or, or as it is predetermined in heaven. What that tells me, I keep on saying it, is that that will will not be done automatically. If it was going to be done automatically, it would not be a prayer point. I hope you're getting my point here. So for that will to be executed, it means that somebody has to pray about it. And I'm saying to Christians again, let's bear it in mind, it's one of the assignments we have as believers. And we have to be careful to know our jobs. Let me give you an example, okay? Let's assume somebody is a health worker. Do you follow? You're a health worker. Maybe you're a doctor, you're a nurse, or anybody in that line. There's a way you behave that will show the kind of thing that you do. Let me give you an example. Many years ago, that's shortly after I got married, one day my wife and I went to visit somebody because like a family, friend, you know, stuff like that. So this GNLD thing was coming on that time. Remember GNLD? Is it still there? Okay. So it was really getting hot and people were in you know, the network marketing, selling supplements, all of that. So the woman was telling us that, look, it's a very nice business. We should get into it. We'll make a lot of money and all of that. And I remember the answer I gave her very calmly. I said, ma'am. It's okay, well, I have no problem with it. I said, well, you see, I'm a trained medical doctor. I have a license to practice medicine. So, anytime I say something to anybody, it carries the weight of a doctor. I said, but unfortunately, this is just pure marketing. I'm not a marketer. Do you get my point? I didn't say there was anything wrong with food supplements or the things they were claiming. I said, but 
Look, if you wanted to sell cosmetics, maybe I would agree. If you wanted to sell household uh, cleaning, things that would not cross my professional, you know, ethics. Even if it's household cleaning that you said, and it kills, once you put the word bacteria, I will not sell it. Because if a doctor talks about bacteria, they should believe him. <laughs> oh, are you getting my point? So I said, listen, I'm sorry. That was, I, oh God, I, you know, when I preach, I digress. Listen, many of these God needs to talk to you is not necessary. Just use spiritual sense and you will make a lot of decisions that are right in the eyes of God. The God said to me, don't say GNLD. No. I said, I have a professional incapacitation. <laughs> Do you like my English? Yes. I'm professionally incapacitated from doing it. Why? Because it will be fraudulent. Of course, all the claims they make are not medical claims. They are not. I read one the other day, some, they finally, the, the, most of the herbs people use for treating, they treat cancer that has been shown medically that they are harmful to the patient. So these people progress, it cures everything. But then you see one drug, curing cancer, Alzheimer's disease, infertility, you know, you understand, and memory loss at the same time. <laughs> Look at that medicine with suspicion. It's what they call snake oil. You get my point? Bubuleche. What they call Bubuleche? <laughs> so you understand, <laughs> the Lord is good. So we're making decisions a lot of times. So we don't need to pray too much. There's enough wisdom a lot of times that God has given us. So back to the reason why I went to do that. So I just told the lady that they say I'm so sorry. This is just my own reason. I like the money. I mean, money is not my enemy. Okay, just I will not do everything for money. In this particular situation, I think it will be fraudulent to tell people to buy it because they will think a doctor is selling it, that he must know what he's talking about. They will not know that what is pushing me is what I will eat, what I will drink, and what will I buy my extra clothing. Do you follow my point? Now, back to the reason why I gave that illustration. So, as believers, if we understand our duties, we'll be careful how we use our mouths. That's where I was going. Sometimes they'll say, look, let's analyze this Kogi election. Look at the people, look at the people on the left and the right. Say no. I can't analyze it to you people because I have been given an instruction concerning what to say with my mouth. I have to be careful. I have to be circumspect. It's not everything that comes out of my mouth. Do you get my point here? You know, there are positions you occupy in life. Like I give an example now. There are things you don't say. For example, you're an ambassador to a country. Once you, any, once you open your mouth and talk, even if, listen, let me give an example. Assuming now we appointed you, say, you say, look, you are now the ambassador to South Korea, Nigerian ambassador. And pressmen come, no, not pressmen. Some people come to your, to you say, ah, okay, let's go and eat. You follow them to a, a, a Korean restaurant, you're eating. So what do you think of global warming? Do you know? You can't think. I don't know whether you're getting my point. You're not allowed to think. You have to check your government's position on global warming. Your personal opinion is not an issue. So when they say, what do you think of global warming? You quickly check what they are saying at home about global warming. What the president is saying. If the president says it's a fraud, whether you are a scientist that agrees or not, you will say, listen, the best you can say, eh? if you want to sound like it's not me, the position of my government is that it's a fraud. That's the best you can cover yourself. But if you really are into the government, you just say flat, it's a fraud. Even though in your heart, you don't think it's fraud. Do you know why? Because you are given a position of ambassador. 
Your opinion is not hypocrisy. I hope you know. It's professionalism. You know, that's what it is. It's professionalism. It's not hypocrisy. They say what you think. You are not appointed to say what you think. You are appointed to say what the president, well, the government of your country, in the person of your president, thinks. Please, I hope you are getting my point. That's what professionals do, do to you, you know. You can lose your, you know, there are statements, you, you just fire you. Just go and, and listen, there are statements you make in private, though. You didn't, you were not making a press statement. This guy just came and said, let's eat. And now food we did. And of course, they put two bottles of Korean wine. You did not know that they are stronger than, you know, Spanish wine. You have used two, 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 two tumblers of it. And I said, this, what do you think about this uh, border closure in Nigeria? Say, well, I don't know why the border is closed. This border should be open. <laughs> next day, you know, they put you on the next plane back home. <laughs> no, your job is gone. Once I, there was one that really, in fact, two I remember now, involving American commanders. One, Norman Swarovskov. He had to apologize openly to George Bush for making a simple statement. And what was the statement he made? that uh, he was going to finish the Iraqi military entirely, but that the president told him not to. That's all he said. He had to op- issue a public apology. The other one, I forgot his name now, uh, was a commander in Afghanistan. So There's one magazine they call Rolling Stone magazine. And he just says something about Obama's policy and how it, did, it, was not a, it was not an interview. I think they were just talking about something. It might happen to be a reporter. So he says, look, this area, I don't know why the president is telling us to do this. This is what we should be doing. And they printed it. That was the end of his military career. If you see the comment, you say, what is inside this now? Obama sacked him publicly and reminded everybody that they must understand that American military is controlled by the civilians. He said they must understand civilian control of the military. Just a comment, you know, just like, we can have difference of opinions, can't we? Not when you're a military commander in Afghanistan. You must have the opinion of the head of state, of your chief of staff. That's it, commander-in-chief. He must have his opinion. And that's a lot of us understand. And listen, let me get back to it. As believers, we're ambassadors. Somebody say amen. amen. We have been drafted. We are part of God's military on this earth. That's your name, amen. amen? It's not everything you open your mouth and just say. So you have to say your mind. Say, I don't have a mind. I have the mind of Christ. Everybody's entitled to his opinion. Say, where? Not where I come from. Where I come from, we're only, we're only entitled to heaven's opinion. If you ask my opinion, listen, that's why a lot of things happening in this world today. You see people just talk, supposedly Christians talking nonsense. They ask your view on abortion. Ask, don't. Say, What's my? Because if you go to class, they will tell you a view. Just go and read your Bible. And now listen to me. Let me say something again. Whether you feel like it or not, just repeat what the Bible says. That's all. One day I was talking to some people who say, you see this homosexuality thing. You don't know what people have gone through. What thing, what thing concern me? Concern with thing you don't go through. Like I was saying last time, it was on Saturday here. I said, if I'm giving you counsel, don't think it's my opinion. It's the word of God. That is, even if I'm not doing what I'm counseling you about, I must still counsel you the right way. Don't say, Pastor Banker, you told me to do that. You don't even do it. Ah, wait. There, there, there are two sins a man can commit. A man in my position as a preacher. One, the sin you do, the one you commit, and the one you make other people commit. That's how it goes. 
So if I commit my own punishment, one, right? If I make you commit, second punishment. So it's better for me to commit, then not allow you to commit. At least I have only one punishment to face. So if I, don't, don't think I'm a, I'm a hypocrite. I'm not a hypocrite. I'm a man struggling to do the will of God. But since I've discovered it, I will present it to you first. You are the one that came to ask me you know, a question. I will tell you what is right to do. As I'm telling you, I'm also hearing it. Sometimes when I finish counseling you, you go and I say, ha, thank you. you. Hear what he said though. Your own words be used against you in judgment though. So I will now have to adapt myself to what I said to you. I said that thing because it is true. I said it because it is correct. I hope you're getting my point here. These are the disciplines we must understand. They are, it's called professional ethics. I've heard pastors counsel people sometimes. Eh? When you hear the counsel, like, wait, do you believe in the scriptures? When you have your opinion, bros, put it in your pocket. Once you man the pulpit, if you don't know what is right to say, just be reading the Bible. Say, everybody open to Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Read it. When you finish, put it to Psalm 34. Read it. By the time you finish, one hour later, you'll have read enough Bible and gone home and not sinned. I've discussed with pastors sometimes. When I hear the kind of things they share, personally, and I go, God, be like, say you don't know your job, or you don't know what you're supposed to do as a Christian. These opinions are against the scriptures. You are being emotional. God, too, has emotions when he wrote what he wrote. So let's just stick with what he has written, because truth is what we'll go by. Please, I hope you're getting my point here. Now, why am I saying this? The professional side of it. As believers, therefore, in the society, let's be careful how we talk. Because we have a duty, we have a job as intercessors. We have a job as what? Intercessors. Last time I explained it. What is an intercessor? Somebody who's pleading God's mercy for a situation. Somebody who's asking the will of God to be done. Now, the basic thing about an intercessor is that you're not praying for yourself. I'm talking about the higher purpose of Christian prayer. That people have spent enough time. Look, let's just read that thing Jesus said again. Just that, so that it's be that we read it. Matthew chapter 6. He said, let me, I, just, I just feel like going um, when you talk about vain repetition, that's Matthew chapter 6 teaching us how to pray. Let's just read from verse um, 7. He said, and when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetitions. I'm going to jump to the end of the chapter, all right? Do not use meaningless repetitions as the Gentiles do, for they suppose they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That is praise, that's worship. Thy kingdom come, so thy will be done on earth as it is written, or as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. We'll discuss what that means. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, if you go down, just jump down quickly down to the end of that chapter. In verse um, 31, do not be anxious then saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or with what shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. For your heavenly Father knows what that you need all these things. But seek first. Now, I believe he was talking about prayer here. In the context of prayer was what he spoke, was when he said this. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Let me just stop reading it here. Now, what I just want to bring out is that these things were said to us directly, but oftentimes we behave as if he did not say them. So we believers, 
many times we gather to pray, our prayers are centered on our needs. They are centered on our problems. They are centered on the things that we want him to do for us immediately. But what he's saying is that that should not be the focus. If you see what we read in that um, chapter 10, uh, verse 10, he said we should pray that his kingdom will come and that his will will be done on earth. I said earlier, if that was not necessary, now we'll talk about the daily bread, you know, what the real bread is. If you're not here, you can go and get it. The bread, daily bread for us there is not food. The daily bread was the word for each season. Each season of life, there must be a word from God that you're operating by. And there's a multiplicity of, you know, divine counsel. The word of God is plenty. His wisdom is vast, is deep, is wide, is high. So there must be something. I mean, there has to be a way by which you take the one that's relevant for you in each season. And that's what, what you do with prayer. You know, that give us this day our daily bread. God, you know, he can do something that occupies you at a particular point in time. That's what he does. Sometimes you hear so much noise of maybe insecurity going on. That happened to me some time ago. And then I stumbled into something that he said. And I realized that anytime the discussion of insecurity comes, and I have to be on the road and all of that, I just recite that scripture. Give us this day what? Our daily bread. You know? So the word of God is abundant, but each time there is something that he's saying to you particularly at that point in time. And when you want to pray, that's what you take you know, to, uh, with you in prayer to God. So, but we're talking about the will of God generally now. Remember, we're talking about intercession. So what's an intercessor? An intercessor, so let me quickly say this. So when God gave us prayer as a tool, it was not to be solving basic problems. He said, let's use it to solve serious problems. Like we said the other day, men prayed. Men like John Knox We say, give me what? Scotland or I die. That is what God expects us to be praying concerning. I hope you're getting my point here. Now, we said we are intercessors, so we are careful. We are careful. And I'm saying that because I want to go into a particular you know, dimension in this one. Now, considering what we pray for, things going on around us. Remember what Derek Prince said? We are held responsible as a church. Derek Prince said, God holds the church responsible for anything happening in the nation, in any country where the church is established. That is, if you see problems in the country, you look first of all in which direction? The church. Now, I'm preaching to us this evening as individuals to take up that responsibility. I began by explaining that there's a position you occupy, you watch what you say. I have, a, I have disagreement with people a lot of times when they are commenting. If one of my classmates says something like that, and he said, look, she said, I know your mumu button. <laughs> I never heard that expression before. I don't know what I heard it before. He said, I know your mumu button. That, all I, oh, that if you want Banky to talk, just insult this country. The guy, we are, that he can't keep quiet. Just collect the head of state and start. That if, if, if you've not heard from me from some time, say, what do we do to make Banky talk? Just say, this nonsense country that we are in. That is, if, if, if that text drops in my sleep, I will wake up and fire you back rapidly, then go back to sleep. <laughs> you know? And, you know, once I had to say, you know, before, because, of course, you know what people now say that, um, this, instead of calling me APC pastor. Why? Because APC is in government nationally. So one day I felt I owed it to them to understand what's going on. I composed, in fact, I'm still looking for that thing. I composed one long one and explained that it's my Christian duty I'm doing. Now, it's not my Christian duty, please listen to this, to fight them all. That's not what I mean by Christian duty. That fight is an overflow of doing my Christian duty. But I'm talking about my opinion, that my opinion is my Christian duty. My opinion is my Christian duty. The way I relate with the nation is my Christian duty. Many Christians don't understand that you cannot be an accuser and an intercessor at the same time. It's not possible. 
So just choose one. And I'm telling you, and which is the reason why we're preaching about it. I'm telling you that most Christians have chosen the accusation aspect rather than choosing the intercessory aspect. It's a choice you make. And that's what I'm asking us to do today. It's a choice you make. God has given me prayer as a tool. What will I do with it? Listen, it can be sweet to open your mouth and, you know, especially when you are drunk, when you are half drunk, after you've gone through three bottles, your mouth is now loose. You can now sit down, insult your elders, just because they occupy government positions. You know, there are people you can't talk to normally, even if they sinned. But now because they are called governor, they are called senator, they are called house of rep member, and of course, personally called president. Sometimes I tell people that, do you realize this man you are talking about is older than your father? Are you telling me your father does not make it, do things wrong? Do you talk to him like this or talk about him like this? I mean, for goodness, it just shows some respect. Not just some respect for age. Let's start with that. So some people, sometimes they gather, they enjoy it. Calling names. Listen, that's what, when you talk about putting the body under, remember we're talking about it again and again. Putting the body under is not sin. It's not a fasting. When I say fasting, it doesn't mean I don't want to eat. I'm not going to eat. Because I want God to hear me. We've established it. Hunger does not make God hear you. The one who has eaten and the one that has not eaten, before the Lord, they are the same. There is no difference. I hope you're getting my point here. <laughs> when you come to God to make petition, there are other things that will make him hear you. So when you say you are putting your body under, it's not as if uh, I must not eat. You know, you want to fast till tomorrow morning. Right now your stomach is twisted. Say, I put my body under. Listen, you can put your stomach under. That is not putting your body under. I hope you're getting my point. What is putting your body under? It is that the government of your country has made a decision. The head of state has done something, made a pronouncement which you disagree with, which in your mind you don't think is the right thing to do. In a country like ours that have how many uh, ethnic groups? Over 200, of which everybody is oppressed, everybody is marginalized, everybody believes that he has a problem, you know. So sometimes you look at things with your tribal glasses, Permanently, on some people are not even wearing tribal glasses because they can remove it. Some is their tribal eyes is there. They can't. It's, that's the only way they see things. If somebody sells them bad market, they say it's because of where I come from. So you you looked at a situation like that, and that's what the Bible calls flesh. Do you follow my point? And somebody will now ask, "What do you think about this?" You're about to talk, or discussion comes up. People are just venting, and you're about to speak, and your body wants to speak. This man wants to. You know, sometimes you know. Sorry, let me just say this briefly. You know, sometimes, um, maybe I'm praying with people. They now say, let us pray against Islamization. I never answer. As me, we are here now. As me, Pastor Kim, they didn't pray now. So now we are going to pray that the Islamic agenda of this government, once you start, I open my eyes, and I'll be looking at you like, if it's kingdom, we're like, are you, are you all right? If it's elsewhere, I just go silent. I don't say anything. Because I know your prayer is not born of revelation. It's not. It's born of fear. It's born of gossip. Those two things are giving you prayer points. There's a way you even pray about it. I will have mercy on you and join you. But there's a way you say, like, who will resist it? Say, let's say, Father, it will not stand. God said, what was planning to stand? I don't know whether you're getting my point. And then for you, your information, the only thing that will stop an Islamic agenda is a Christianization agenda by the preaching of the true gospel. Otherwise, Islam has a commandment from God to, to succeed. Now, that statement I mean, I said, I mean it to. Islam has a divine commandment to succeed everywhere it goes. The only antidote God has given it is what? Is the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's just an aside. So, now, now just something. So, if, if I'm praying with you and you bring up that matter, I, will, I won't answer you. 
I don't like praying prayers that are based on gossip and fears. If you want to pray such things, you can even say it in a mellow way. Father, we have heard of it. We don't know, but we just want to, to know that only the gospel of Jesus will stand. But like I was saying to you, don't even bother with that prayer point. Other one, it did not stand. It doesn't have any effect. There's a commandment that God has released that it will stand. Unless, unless what? You preach the true gospel. Unless you preach the true gospel, it will stand. One day, one of my colleagues, I heard him, I met him, went to Neil. He said, he doesn't know why these Islamist people are bombing people. He said, it's not necessary. He said, by bombing, you are making this thing more difficult. He said, just relax, you will take over. And when he said it, he said it was one day he went to, okay, one part of Nigeria. And he saw the, um, the kind of depravity that, that come into that part of the country. And he said to his wife, he said, just married at that time. He told his wife, he said, listen, Islam will take these people over. What was his reason? I'm looking at this man, who gave this revelation? He said, the way you are living, he said, there's no way all of you become Muslims. Anyway, let me finish what I was trying to say before I just, you know, I, I just, I jump off once in a while. I, you know, so many things to tell the people of God. That's why I do what I do. So, sometimes it gets to that point. Your flesh wants to talk. Your flesh wants to react. That is what they call putting the body under. The president has made a decision you don't like it. If federal government has said something, you don't like it. Everybody's out there criticizing, criticizing, accusing them of Islamic agenda. That's why I went into that. Accusing them of this. And you are about to talk. You will remember that you are what? You are what? I don't know, the other one. An intercessor. Ambassador, you are correct, you are correct. Ambassador, we talked about that. But you are an intercessor. And an intercessor is not a critic. I hope you're getting my point. An intercessor has to be careful not to get personal about things. An intercessor has understanding. He knows that we wrestle not against APC or PDP. We are not wrestling against politicians. What are we wrestling against? Principalities and powers. Spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. So for that reason, if you want to speak, you know, you don't, you can't speak about people. You can't attack individuals. You can't even attack institutions. Let me say something to Christians. Please be careful that they don't drag you down to this fleshly, earthly level. That you, fella, and Charlie Boy, and the same group on, of, on commentary. No, just look at Charlie Boy and fella. And these are your, these are your ancestors in talking. Those they used to tell us that, ah, people, fella speaks against government. I said, how can you smoke that size of Igbo and not speak against your father? You will speak against anything. Don't make it look like this is a spiritual, no, it's boldness. Nothing, it's nothing, there's no boldness in it. When you drink, you will insult your mother. As when you are drunk. When you smoke Igbo, you will insult soldier. I mean, do you understand my point? There is nothing, please don't be carried away. Don't get, don't be impressed with social critics. What's the name of this guy that they locked in prison? You foolish for what? Some people actually think it's Christian duty to be activists. Activism is not Christianity. When Moses decided to be an activist, God just sent him into prison 40 years. Well, it's not that kind of prison. But wilderness. Let's talk to you. Please, please, please. I don't solve my problems through activism. That's not how I solve my problems. There are people you don't follow as believers. And one of the reasons that your power is not in that level. Please, I hope you're getting my point here. 
That is not where you operate from. That's what I want to emphasize. You can imagine that you're MD of a big company, maybe of MD of a bank, original regional bank manager, or one big Nigerian bank, and then two gate men and one clerk, they did something that's bad. You now you now go and carry a placard and you go to social media. You first start with placard, the gate man must go. The gate man must go. This banking officer must be sacked. You know, by doing that, automatically they know you are not in power. Do you get my point? They say that's the MD. They say that's the regional manager. They say it's a lie. Say what? Ah, two drivers and the banking officer did something. And he's out there on social media commenting. You know, this driver, I don't know what's going on these days in this country. You get a driver to move a car. He goes to go and carry passengers with it and rest in the process. This, this is not right. Once you start talking like that, they know you are not in power. Do you get my point? It's automatic. You are not in power. They come to work and they say, go to your office. I'm not going to go. I said this man goes. Listen, it will never happen. And the regional manager will look. What, what will he do first? He will first ask you that is before we, you know whether you are right or wrong. You have been sacked. You won't hear his comment. Is your relatives are good to beg that you that they will know his opinion? Say please, sir. He's the only one winning bread for the family. His mother is old. That's why you now talk, start talking to them. Say, look, yourself, look at it. Is it right what he did? So you see how we throw away our power and we start commenting like Charlie Boy. When we join fella in manifesting a bonus. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, you start commenting as if you're on drugs too. One reason why Christians don't do that because we understand where power lies. And you can't hold both worlds, you must understand it. You can't be out there yakking about the government and you can go in and pray effectively. They don't go together. Choose one. If you try to do both, the lower one works in your life. Did you hear what I said? If you try to do both, it's the lower one you are doing. If a public commentator, you are an activist, leave praying for other people. When, when church gathers and people are praying, look, 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 don't bother, don't bother. Those who fear God, they speak to one another. I don't know whether you get my point. So that the Lord can hear. They're not there making noise outside. It doesn't mean what the government is doing all is always right. I'm not saying it's always right. But at least one thing we understand is that you are not fighting what? Flesh and blood. Nigeria has never, ever had the Buhari problem. I hope you know that. Just like he did not have a Jonathan problem. He did not have um, an Obasanjo problem. Listen to me. Each one of those men, you, I just mentioned the names, and the ones that will come after, men and women, they only come to execute the judgment of God for each season. I hope you're getting my point. They can't do otherwise. Who was, I mean, how many people remember Pharaoh in the Bible? That the Pharaoh, the, the famous Pharaoh, the one that elevated Joseph is not well known because, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm talking about the one that God judged harshly. Now let me ask you a question. Now it's a very tricky question because both answers you give will be correct. Was it the problem really? Think about it well. Was it him that did not let the people go? You know what God said? I, for this reason, I raised you up. Raised up. When God said it, he wasn't talking about, you're a small boy, I changed your nappies, I gave you food. No. You were obscure. You were one hardly known soldier in the army of somewhere, Egypt. I handpicked you, and I raised you through the ranks, and then one day you dethroned the former Pharaoh. Because that's what happened. The dynasties were different. 
When the Bible says there arose a Pharaoh that knew not Joseph. In fact, Bollinger believes that that Pharaoh was not even an Egyptian. He believes he was an Assyrian. He's convinced of that. If you read Bollinger's commentary, he said that my people went there in the first instance and there the Assyrian oppressed them without a reason. He said he was referring to that Pharaoh, that the man was not an Egyptian. So anyway, the dynasty changed. That's one for sure. Whether it's an Egyptian or not, the dynasty changed. And God said it, for this cause I have raised you up. That is, I allowed you to go through the ranks and brought you to this particular position. Why? So I might show my glory, my power in you. I hope you're getting my point here. So now let's get back to it. Was the Pharaoh the problem? No, answer me. What did God say to Moses? He said that, go and tell him, let my people go. But I will harden his heart, he will not let them go. So what's, I mean, what's, Sense will make, will it make for those who understand spiritual things? To so, say, this Pharaoh, God will judge you. Look at the way you are not letting us go. Whatever I agree, we are going to form a political party that will let us go by force. You know, if God were to come for that meeting, God would say, listen, guys, listen. First, I am the reason why he's not letting you go. He can't. Now, it's not as if I'm going against his will. Please, you must understand the way God does things. I chose him for that reason. If he was a letting go type, he would not have been fearing this season. I don't know whether you heard that. If he was a type that would let you go, I wouldn't have made him fear now. What I would do is simply, I just keep the guy somewhere else and find somebody else who will not let you go. Lord, why don't you want us to go? You will go. But I have to do my templates. Let's not spend time looking at that now, but the truth is that God was not just... You see, you must understand what happened those times. They happened partly for us. We now have to read the stories. There are things that God wants to accomplish in our generation. We have to have those stories complete. Why did it take ten plagues? Each plague was judgment against something they worshipped in Egypt. Each plague was judgment against a human mindset. Each plague was judgment against the human flesh. God had to judge everything. Listen, he knew what we let Pharaoh, all would make Pharaoh go, we let them go. He could have killed the firstborn as the second plague. He had his reason for keeping that until that time. But we don't want to talk about that in details now. I just want you to also understand it. So you see, they were wrestling not against flesh and blood. That's the point I'm making. In that instance, and maybe later on, if, if God allows us, we'll look at their different prayers you pray at different times. That they were going to go, the time was right. That that Pharaoh would let them go was sure at the right time. But each announcement, let my people go, was not going to work until the tenth plague will come. It was predetermined. And that was why God told Moses, go and tell him, let the people go. But listen, Moses, between you and me, he will not let them go. Lord, why not? Because I will not let him let them go. So you're not contradicting yourself. Look, there's a way spiritual things work. I have seen the kind of wicked man that he is. I have strengthened his heart according to his wickedness. You know, Isaiah was sent. No, I pray we understand God. I said, I, said, I, I must teach about God the judge. No, I've been talking about it. Isaiah is assignment. God said, go and deaden the ears of the people. They will hear, they will not understand. One of the prayers you must pray is that God, please, please, don't give me over to deception. Oh, yes. You pray that prayer. Sometimes you see people who believe some things that you know this is wrong. 
but they're not joking about it. I just went to that to explain something here. So when we are praying for a country like ours, or any country a believer is in, you understand that the government was not determined that day. Removing one government will not improve situations. It won't. Except God had predetermined it for many reasons. And that's where our prayer comes in. You can change that, in quote, determination through prayer. But you're not attacking the man there. I remember, you know, I many people remember Arab Spring. Arab Spring. Oh, you don't know about Arab Spring. Okay. What is it, what is it now? Arab Winter. <laughs> uh, of course, that's what it became. I still remember Mohammed Bouazizi started it in Tunisia. He got Ben Ali kicked out of office. What happened to Bouazizi? Okay, it was a vegetable seller, and then Eswama collected. Lasma. Lasma collected his vegetables and the wheelbarrow was using to sell. So he set himself on fire. And that started trouble for Ben Ali. So they kicked Ben Ali out of office. And the other country said, eh, ha. They says Arab Spring. You know the point, point, the funny thing about it? All of them are back to where they were before. All. Oh, no, no, sorry. That's wrong. They are not back to where they were before. First, Egypt removed, after many days of um, protests, they removed the Mubarak. Then they conducted the election. And you know, Americans and Europeans, now, <laughs> what I mean is this. You'll be serving food that people don't eat to them. Somebody said that Arabs are never ruled by democracy, that they don't understand democracy, that it is not part of their culture. The Russians are like that too. Russians believe in a tsar. There has to be a king. So, this, so if you see approval rating for Putin, it's, all, it's ten times that of uh, all the European leaders. Russians like it like that. They are used to having a king over them. So Americans try to export democracy to Arab world. <laughs> Let's make a long story short. They put um, what's the name of the guy Mohammed Morsi. Morsi, yes, democracy. Morsi realized that man, <laughs> there's more to this thing, you know, than just winning an election. Of course, what happened is that hey, I'm talking politics now. Oh God. Okay, the political, what happened physically was that he got most of his votes from the rural areas. They are the ones that believed he didn't an Islamic government. The main guys in the cities didn't understand what Mossi was doing. And the soldiers didn't understand what was going on. So one day they took Mossi and put him in prison. And then put, what's the name of the current guy? Al-Sisi. Eh? What's his name now? I forgot to see something. Anyway, the current head of state they have now. He now won his own election. You know, elections can be arranged all the time. There are different kinds of elections. There's Nigerian election. There's Egyptian election. There's <laughs> there elections everywhere. He became the head of state and put the other guy in prison. Now, what I'm telling the story is this. He was what? It was an Air Force general. Was it not? Was it, was it army? It was a military general anyway. Exactly what Mubarak was. Exactly what Anwar Sadat was. That's how Egyptians are ruled. So after all the, of the Arab Spring, you know what happened? Egyptians are back to the very spot they used to be in. That's why I'm telling you the story. As for the Libyans, 
They have not had peace one day since Gaddafi left. They are always fighting. They are fighting currently. Look, they are always fighting. Whether the fight is up or down, that's the issue. But there's no fight, no. Why? Because these things are not humanly determined. That's what I'm telling the story. If God has not blown the wind of spring on them, there's nothing you can do to get Arab spring. Your spring will always turn to winter. Everything will freeze over. Now they are back. In fact, now all of them are wishing for the days before the Arab spring. There was more stability in the whole region. And please, it's a spiritual principle. Don't think it will be different in Nigeria. The point is this. It is not a physical thing. That's what I'm going to say. So if anybody tries to make it look as physical, they're lying. They're lying. And so we believers, since we understand that, we are careful when we are passing comments also. We are careful when we are passing comments. We understand that any leader at each point in time has only come to execute God's judgment for that season. When I say God's judgment, now let me put the other word. God's decree. So if we don't like it, let me give you an example. I want to use a bad example. Adolf Hitler. You can say anything you want. It was God that decreed that Adolf Hitler, this is your time. Do you know how many times they tried to kill Adolf Hitler? They t- all kinds of things. It was just obvious that somebody was keeping him alive. There was a man who traveled a great length to the place where Adolf, uh, to a particular hotel where Adolf Hitler was going to give a speech. So before security would start, he came. He used an ingenious method to plant a bomb right behind the podium. He used a series of clocks to time it to blow in like 48 hours. Arranged to take Adolf Hitler out. And Adolf Hitler was known for speaking long. When he starts talking, next three hours he's still talking. And he came and scheduled. But guess what? That particular day he spoke short. These are the normal long speeches. After 40 minutes or 45 minutes, he stopped talking and he left. A few minutes after he left, the bomb went off. A bomb that would have killed him. He did not die. His generals decided once that they've had enough. So one general that had been wounded in battle was detailed. They planned it. He put bombs in a briefcase. He was amongst the inner caucus. He used to attend the war, what they call it, the council of war. So he came for the council of war meeting with a briefcase in his hand, put it right beside Adolf Hitler. But last moment, he had a change of mind that the explosion would be too much. So he went to the bathroom and removed, there were four charges. He removed two of the charges and left two and came back in and put it right beside Adolf Hitler. But now look at the way spiritual things work. There were four charges. Something made him go to the bathroom, remove two. Then the two that were left inside the briefcase, he put it beside Adolf Hitler. But the table they were meeting on had fat legs. And they put it between that is where he placed it, one of the legs was between Adolf Hitler and the bomb. So the bomb went off as planned. Threw Hitler out of the window, tore his clothes, but did not enjoy him. Oh, men tried to kill him. Do you, do you know how many plots he survived? As a young soldier, he went out here and one guy was manning a, I think a, they were in a ditch anyway, in a trench. He got up to go and get something, came back, a, 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 an RPG had landed there, blown the other guy to pieces. He survived. When I read about his life, I said, I now understand what God meant when he said, for this cause I raised you up. It was God. Listen, what did he, I'm not saying it's good though. You know, the world, if you talk about it like now, they think I'm not supporting him. Killing six million Jews and minorities is a bad thing. But it was spiritually determined. That's what, that's what I'm making. 
He said concerning the Egyptians, he said, I will give you into the hand of a cruel master. Whether you like it or not, don't let anybody lie to you. That we, we deter- I've heard pastors tell me that. You are the one that determines the leader you get. Not the way they are talking about it. It's not election. It's not, it's not election. It's not election. We vote as our civic duty. I always tell people, go and vote. It's like paying taxes. Do it. It's your job. But before you wake up that morning, who will win the election was determined like 100 years before. Please, I hope you are getting my point here. This is a spiritually I'm just giving us, you know, an idea. Explain to us why we can afford. Let's not feel bad. You know, the Bible says that anger lies where? In the bosom of a fool. That is, it's in the bosom of fools that you find anger. And what do we mean by that? It's the ignorant that gets excited over some things. Democrats in America are working seriously now to ensure that Donald Trump does not win the next election. And Bank is laughing seriously. Because I know that the person that will be the next president has been determined. It has nothing to do with all their machinations. Let me not even go into my own understanding of the analysis of those things. Let's not waste our time. So that's why, because we have insight, we can afford not to be angry. I hope you're getting my point. At individuals. So head of state does something we're not too excited about. We know that's not where it started from. We know. We understand that. Christians sometimes react out of anger. Um, sorry, out of a fear. Ignorance. They shout so much about the Islamic agenda. If you lead any prayer and you bring up that Islam, let us bring down the Islamic agenda. I will never say amen. I don't even answer you. Once prayer reached, I've, I've been in groups before where praying serious people. We got to that point, I left. So we're not let's now we'll talk about the Islamic agenda. I beg I have other things to do. Why? I don't like prayers generated by fear and momo and rumors. And just by the way, like I said earlier, let me say it again. What I want to hear is let us pray about what? The Christian agenda. Because that is the only thing. God has not allowed us to stop Islamic agenda with prayer if there is no Christian agenda. And for your information, does Islam have an agenda? Yes. Why? They are one of the few evangelistic religions on the earth. You know, Judaism is not an evangelistic religion. They don't try to spread, spread Judaism. You are born a Jew. That's all. Islam is different. Islam wants to conquer territories physically. Christianity, yes. Number one, evangelistic religion. The other one, the other one that's evangelistic is atheism. Atheism is also aggressive. I hope you know it's a religion. It's a, it's a religion. There is no God. It's a God. Yeah, it's true. When you hear there's no God, there's a God called no God. That's what they are worshiping. No, they'll be lying to you that there is a lie. You cannot be that aggressive about something that does not exist. They're lying. Atheism is a religion. Very, very aggressive. Telling you, they have a lot of apostles all over the place. So the point I'm making is that if you're an evangelistic religion, you have a right to an agenda. That's the point. So it's normal. Don't think anything about it. Don't feel bad. And should you feel threatened? Answer me. So what is the aggro about? What is the noise about? Why are you angry? Why are you anxious? Do, to have an agenda is normal. It's right for what it represents. Should you feel threatened? No. Because the word of God has come out and is on your side. And it says, upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It says, kiss the son lest he be angry. And you perish out of the way. So the increase of his government and of peace, there shall be no end. We have a lot of words like this to carry us on. So we are not afraid. And in Nigeria today, listen to me. 
The Christian behavior is horrible. The way the church behaves. They stir up strife. They stir up anger. They stir up tension in the, in, in, in the populace. Because of their own fear. Everything somebody does, you interpret as an agenda. Whether they have agenda or not, you know, I've not said there's no agenda. I've just said that they have a right to their agenda. The question is, where is your own agenda? You know what I used to find? Christians call their own agenda. How to pack and run away from the north. And come and hide in the east. And in the west. And they call that safety. That's not safety. Even as a little boy, I, don't do, I didn't do much football. But as a little boy, they told us. No, in general English. The best form of defense is what? You attack. When you feel Christianity is threatened, you ramp up the preaching of the gospel. Your prayer should be, like I was discussing with um, our co-workers, you know, talking about it. Like, if all this year is over, I want to hear that our broadcast is up in Gombe, Adamawa and Taraba. I need to hear before 20 December. That's the prayer I want. Don't say, hey, let me right now, not prosper. Look, prosper all you want. Please, let me, let's be prospering side by side. Let's see who outlasts the other person. I don't know what I get my point. Let's see who outlasts the other person. So I said, like, no, 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 no. Airwaves in Gumbi, open in the name of Jesus. But one brother, last time I went to Makodi, brought up the idea. Look, once he opens, say, hey, we send 30 minutes twice a week inside there. We get to Kasnala, 20 minutes twice a week. We get down to Adamawa, 30 minutes twice a week. The whole area is covered. Landmass there is big. Look for other areas. Broadcast this thing. I'm be sitting down here saying, hey, everyone, come, 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 come. The United City in GRA, Islamic agenda, in Jesus' name, it's not prosper. God said, you are here. You said it's not prosper. It has prospered already. That's why you are where you are. If it had not prospered, you should be up there. You can't say and be telling me it should not prosper. It will, it, I've told you before, and I'm not joking about it. It's a commandment of God. Islamic agenda prospers every time Christian agenda is not solid and it's not being pursued. God has not allowed us safety in this life to go and hide somewhere. He has not allowed us. Please, I hope you are getting my point here. Intercessors. We are careful. We have understanding. So, we, are, we don't have time attacking a man. You know why? He's a man. President Buhari, a good Lord Jonathan in his days, or Obasanjo. We don't have their time. Why? Why do you regard man whose what? Breath is in his nostrils. That's what God said. So he was saying to Israel, listen, Pharaoh is not your problem. The problem why you were in captivity for a long time, many reasons. One, you had to be out of where you were for a certain period. But where I kept you, you became comfortable. So I needed a man to stir up discomfort, to move you back to the promised land. Now, before I, before I let you go, let me exercise my glory. Let me show my glory for the whole earth to see. So the man who will stir you up to, into discomfort, so you want to leave and go back to the promised land, is this Pharaoh I have chosen. So only foolish Jews will have knelt down at night praying against Pharaoh. Pharaoh, you will die. So we can go free. You will die. So we can go free. Every power that's holding us in Egypt, every power that will not let us go, die by fire. Die. You know, Moses will have come and say, guys, wait, wait. It's not necessary. The guy is not going to die. <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. So intercessors, there are certain disciplines that go with the job. That's what I'm trying to emphasize. We have understanding. We understand the role of God's power. We do. So the question, therefore, is that what are we supposed to do in that kind of situation? The government is not doing what is right. It's simple. You take it to the Lord in prayer. First, let's, let me explain something. This is Christianity. The man that's on the seat, the man, that unbeliever, especially an unbeliever, you cannot say anything, you cannot accuse him in judgment. 
It's not allowed. You don't accuse rulers. Yeah. The only thing you do is what? You pray for his salvation. You pray for him. That he, you know, he's a human being. You want him to be saved. You don't know what's going on in his life. You don't know what he's passing through, like they say. You know, many people you are seeing outside, you don't even, now I want to say something that will make you laugh. You don't even know whether he's a Christian. Do you know there are so many Nicodemuses out there? You don't even know whether God has sent an apostle that tomorrow, by this time tomorrow, he's going to be baptizing the man in secret. The man you want to kill from here. God is saving him over there. So what is your own duty? You pray. I started by saying, he's a man, right? Every man needs salvation. Every man needs what? Salvation. And if indeed you're an ambassador for Christ, the first thing you want him to get is the knowledge of the truth. I, I believe it's a satanic operation that convinces Christians to be firing arrows at their leaders. It's a satanic operation. The real problems you have is the pastors who lie to you with the word of God. I hope you know that. That is the real problem. Because anybody who mishandles this, Bible, God, we were reading the other day, he said, the, the priests have done violence to my law. That was God's complaint. That the priests have done violence to my law. That's the real problem. The elders of the church, that's the real problem. It's not um, the person who's in power, physically speaking, humanly speaking, no. First thing you owe him is what? Prayer for his own salvation. You pray that the Lord will keep him and keep him and guide him and protect him. Seriously. You pray for things like that. God should give him wisdom. To do that which is right. Because you understand that God has appointed, generally speaking, rulers to maintain peace, maintain order. And the thing that's most important, listen, one of the problems in this world is that Christians don't really believe. Did you hear what I said? What did I say? Let me explain what I'm to say. Most Christians don't really believe that the gospel is the answer. Yeah. Now, what you agree with is not the same thing as what you believe. Okay, let, let, let me give you an example. So you've, you've seen this illustration. A man was walking between two buildings on a tight rope. Everybody's hearts were in their mouth, you know? They crossed to the other side and they clapped for him. So how many of you believe I can do it again? Everybody put up their hands. Yes. How many of you will come and stay on my shoulder while they do it again? Lie, lie, I'll not follow you to that one. They said that is the difference. That, that is, they don't really believe. And that is true. So, but they agreed with him. That's what we used to call those is mental assent. If you want to know what you really believe, check the actions you are taking. Now, listen to me. You don't even know what you don't believe. Oh, I hope you know what I'm saying. Oh, no, no, no. You don't know. A lot of things you think you believe, spiritual truth is that you don't believe them. And you yourself do not even realize you don't. The time you know you don't believe or you believe is when you start taking actions based upon that. For example, the love for something is shown in your priorities. Did you hear what I said? When you want to arrange your priorities, it's what shows to you what you love and what you don't love. For example, if I want to show you what's important to you, I just say, okay, go and give me an account of how you spent your money in the last one year. Not come and tell me. It's, let me see the money. Like you say, follow the money. <laughs> Let's sit and see where the money is going. I'll use that one to show you what you really love and what you don't love. Now, if I ask you, you can so deceive yourself. That's why James said, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own self. Now, we don't often understand what that means. Deceiving your own self it means that you are convinced of what you are saying, but it's a lie. 
That's why those who tell you that repentance is not necessary for salvation, they are joking. Because without repentance, you don't know who truly believes. Anybody can answer an altar call. It's repentance afterwards that will let you know who truly believes. There's this gospel like all, all the Bible says, just believe, just believe, just believe. <laughs> so a lot of people claim to believe, but their life doesn't change one bit. They don't repent. They say they have been saved. Then when they go back to the life of iniquity, we had a new doctrine for them, which is what? Once saved, always saved. So you see people go to church, and I say the church is growing. So an evangelist will come, an altar call, 500 people will give their lives to Christ, supposedly, go back to their lives of sin immediately, then will say that they are saved. Then the church will increase in number. Then you take a sinner, make him a deacon, promote him, assistant pastor. After a while, the culture comes in that we don't have to repent. The church can still grow. It becomes a societal culture. So now say there's revival in the land. There's no revival, there's deception. Once people are not being changed, listen, that's the truth about believing. Now, I, I want to know that trying to say something. One major problem we have, most people in the church don't truly believe. They don't believe that the gospel is the answer. They don't truly believe that Jesus is the light of the world. That's why when they want to pray, they rather pray for economic prosperity than any other thing. But if you ask them for the gospel to penetrate some areas, or for economic prosperity to come, which one is more important? On the surface, they will tell you it's gospel, but go and check the actions. Go and check the real prayer. So if we call prayers, for example, and say tomorrow we are going to pray for those who need money. And we advertise on radio. You know, you won't have space in this compound. But if you say you want to pray that Enugu will be filled with the light of God, it will spread to Ebony, Anambra, you know, Benue, Kogi, and the rest of Nigeria. Check how many Christians will remember to, to come for the prayer point, for the, for the prayer meeting. Very few will remember, unless you, if you have to tell them that prayer, prayer for deliverance, for breakthrough is first. Then when they come for that prayer for breakthrough, they say, okay, before we do that one, let's do this one first. That is the time you will get Christians. No, am I lying? That's a sign that people don't truly believe. Sometimes they finish praying like that, and that's okay. A door has opened. We need money to go there. How many people will give all that they have for this gospel to cover the whole of maybe northeast? Cover the whole of northeast. Few people will answer you. But tell that if you give anything today, within three weeks, the Lord will triple it. Let me ask you, what do you think the reaction will be on the second one? That is why sometimes even those who claim they want to preach the gospel in those areas we are talking about, they have to tell lies to collect the money to go and use to preach the truth. I don't know how it works. You not lie to people to collect the money to go and preach the truth. I say you have polluted the truth already. And that, that's, the prob- that's one of the problems of intercession. People truly don't believe. So when you say pray, now you, there's a reason I'm going into that. So when you want to pray for the leaders of the nation, you want to pray in the country. I will discuss this, I think sometime last year. The first thing that your prayer must focus on is on the gospel. For the leaders to believe. For the gospel to spread. Listen to what I want to say. Peace, God does not grant peace that does not promote the knowledge of the Prince of Peace. Did you hear what I said? If God grants economic, no, he will grant it again. Just watch it too. And we have to really, really pray. When economic prosperity flows again, if we do what we did last time, there will be trouble. When Christians learned how to live large, and the only offerings they gave was to multiply what they have, to, what they need to live larger. Suddenly, no school in Nigeria was good enough for our children. We were sending them all over the world because of small prosperity. God was just looking at us like, now, wow. 
We're exporting. That's one I don't understand. We'll export children so that somebody can dechristianize him for us. You prospered. They took the money. We don't believe. You, know, you see, that's what I mean. We really do. If we believed, we'll behave differently. If we truly believed, we'll behave differently. There are places we will not say, say, where's my son going? Where's my daughter going? Want to go? What are you going to learn? What do you, now let me say something that will make some people angry with me, but it's the truth. First degree, there's nothing you want to learn that they are not teaching around here. I hope you know that. It's not first degree. It's, it's not this first degree. And some of you don't believe me. Look at the way you're looking straight. Okay, you did not know. Ignorance is worrying you. Let me now tell you the truth, okay? There's nothing. It's first degree. There's nothing you want to learn. I can't find it somewhere around that won't cost your whole family's money where you can go and learn it. How can I be taking loans to pay that Nigeria taking loan to buy dollar to pay one, one year school fees? What's wrong with you? But the point I'm making is this because we don't truly believe, when God brings prosperity, He settles me first. That's what we do. They will now give to God. You know what we give to God? Protection money. Say, give to God because my son is traveling. If you don't give to God, the boy won't come back safe, you know, safely. So we'll give to God. All we give to him most time is what? Protection money. You no, know, God is a mafia don. No, you, you gotta pay, you gotta pay your protection money, you know. It's business. And number one protection money is what? Apostle. The tithe. If you don't pay, the devourer is gonna come after you. A lot of Christians are tithing. And God just said, look, me, collect that money. Your pastor and the elders can share it. I will not touch it. Money that, no, really. That's how you react. So just be looking at all of you like this. Say, tomfoolery. Looking at everybody like this. Say, they don't believe. They don't believe. They are giving to me exactly the way they give to the shrines. They've even called the real name. If you don't, it's a, the devourer is coming after us. So all of them are bringing money. You've seen it at motor parks. If you want to be a beggar, if you're a pastor, you want to raise money, you have to pray before the vehicle takes off. <laughs> Praise God, my name is Pastor Okemote. Your vehicle will not have, your vehicle will not have accident in Jesus' name. Once you say it like that, don't worry. Your offering is complete. I want to challenge some preachers. If you want to go to bus parks to preach, you know, we've talked about it. The liberal is worthy of his wages, right? Yes, but Paul said, sometimes I forgo of that right. In Nigeria of today, we need preachers who will go there, pray for the people, lay hands on the bus, join with them, teach them the truth, and tell them, may the Lord be with you, and walk away nicely. We needed to recover respect for the gospel. And as soon as you finish, they are, what they are giving you is you know what I mean? Money for the gods. <laughs> it's libation money they are giving you. You know, the, look, when people go to see Awo, Papalawo in Yoruba land, when the man put it in there, you go toss something inside. Yeah. That's what they are giving. I said that a lot of idolatry was brought into Christianity. If you're a pastor, don't take it. It's bad money. They are buying protection for their journey and you are the one collecting the money. It's not right. Preach to them and walk away. God will supply your need. Don't worry about it. Preach to them and walk away. That's just an aside. So a lot of people, they do that because they don't truly believe. So the only way churches get money is to be promising things that God did not promise because the people don't truly believe. If they truly believe, and you said to them, the gospel is the light of this nation, their concern will be that the gospel must be preached. And listen to, the, listen to me, intercessors. 
it will not be preached except we pray about it. That's where I was going. The higher purpose for Christian prayer. God said, listen, do you want the gospel preached in your hometown? You want the place invaded with the gospel? Start with prayer and mean it. I was, I listened to radio today. I don't do that often. Turn on the radio in the car. Just, I stumbled into a channel where they were giving news. So I said, what is news? I, I listened to the news headlines. And they said that the EFCC boss in charge of, I think, Eastern region or something, or one state around here, he said something that, they say he decreased the rate of um, cyber crimes. He never made a statement. I never saw it like that before. He said in the last few months that they have, they have convicted 90 young men, most of them young graduates, that they've caught, you know, prosecuted, and convicted for cyber crimes. He now said something which, that's the first time I listened to it, like, they think about it from that angle. He said we can't continue to lock up our young people like this. <laughs> do, do, you get, do you get the logic? You know, initially it was like, um, Yes, we will catch them. No, no, the man said, listen, listen, this is bad. These are our young people we are putting in prison. He said, we can't continue. That have, we have to do something about it. It's only that I'm not looking for who to catch. I'm just begging you guys, stop. You know, today, that was just, just this afternoon, I said, wow. I never looked at it from that angle. You know, before, like, they will catch all of them. They will catch all of them. You know, that's the way the average righteous man reasons. They will catch all of you. All of you who are doing for one night, they will catch you. But the man just said, the guy said, no, 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 we can't continue like this. 90 young men in the last few months. He said, when are we going to stop? So he was calling on the religious leaders to please do something. That he's tired of catching people. What am I saying? Except you preach the gospel. The man will have to convict 900. From 900 to 9,000. So 90 is complaining about this. coming on radio to say, please, may not help us. He was calling on religious organizations to please do something. That is the future of the country that I'm putting in prison. But what am I going to do? I'm going to leave them to keep on stealing. So what is the hope? Listen to me. It is the gospel. Listen, I am convinced of it more than ever before. It is the gospel. Let's see something that Paul said. I want us to read that. Second Thessalonians chapter 3. Listen, you know, we have, we have wasted enough time on things that don't matter. Are you there? Second Thessalonians chapter 3. If you are there, say amen. amen. Now, I want us to read just verse 1. Everybody read it together, alright? Whichever version you have. Are you ready? One, two, let's go. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly and be glorified, just as it did also with you. What did he say? Pray for us. What did he say? Let's read again. One, two, let's go. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly and be glorified, just as it did also with you. Let me just add verse 2. And that we may be delivered from perverse and evil men, for not all have faith. Just by the way, in case you do not know, that verse 2 was talking about people inside the church. That is, not all men who claim to have faith actually have it. He won't tell us that not all men have faith. He knew that. We all know that one before. What he was saying is that the people who claim to have faith, <laughs> many of them, as I thought, he talked about the peril of what? False brethren. Alright? But that, that's not our message, alright? The message is that first, is that first verse. He said, pray for us that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly and be glorified. 
That is, for the gospel to spread, we have to do what? Pray about it. That is the kind of job we have as believers in Christ Jesus. That we will get up and decide that, listen, it is time to pray. What is our prayer point? That the gospel will spread. Listen, instead of everybody looking for how to run away from Meduguri and from, um, from Yubi, no, what we need to gather is what to pray that the gospel will spread in those areas. There's something I believe very strongly. I don't have any doubt in my heart about it. You know, I said, you added you can't pray for what doesn't concern you. All right? And then what God did is so to ensure it concerns you, the Bible says that he has drawn the boundaries of the nations according to the number of the sons of Israel. And we understand that we are what? The Israel of God. We are what? The Israel of God. So I am convinced the way God drew the geography of this earth currently, the nations, is so as to be able to call one group of people by one name. So he wants to talk to people in Nigeria. He will say, the church in Nigeria. So if the church in Nigeria, of which Enugu is part of the church in Nigeria, is one boundary, if they decide what will happen in Gombe State concerning the spread of the gospel, God has to listen. I hope you're getting my point. I don't have to be from Gombe. I'm part of what? The church in Nigeria. He has tied us together within that boundary. My voice may not be as effective concerning the movement of the gospel in Cameroon. God can give me a special burden and a, and a special grace. But generally speaking, anywhere within the borders of this nation, if two of you shall agree as touching anything. You know, one of the things I started thinking about recently, we have to again go back and understand the context in which Jesus was speaking. Because when the Lord Jesus will speak, each person will interpret what he's saying according to his own level in life. I hope you're getting my point here. I realize a lot of things that Jesus said, you know, that we quoted those days. He wasn't talking to people like us. What I mean by is this. He said, whatever I shall ask the Father in my name, I'll be asking for Guru. I'll be asking for Ekpa. Jesus was speaking. He said, whatever you shall ask the Father in my name, we're asking for Ekpa. And asking for bread with the groundnut. When Jesus said that, you know who he was talking to? I'll tell you. He was talking to Peter and Co. Men he had trained for years who had come to understand that we left fishing to follow this thing. So we are not going to ask the father for fish. Do you get my point here? When he said, whatever you ask the father in my name, you expected them to ask for serious things. That's what I'm saying. If we truly believed, and you know, the, God came to Solomon and said, what do you want me to do for you? Those who truly don't believe, we say, give me a car. You know why? He doesn't know better than that. It's like you give a child money. What do you want to do with it? Most of the time, he wants to go and buy what? Ice cream. Sweet. Chewing gum. He doesn't even want to buy serious food. Because most children from most homes have food to eat. So the, th- the thing that they consider they need money for is not food. Because bread is in the house. It's those things that mommy buys once in a while. So because mommy doesn't buy it all the time, they assume that the money is not available. So if now you give them money, they want to quickly go and buy you know, some of that. So when we heard Jesus say, whatever I shall ask the Father in my name, we prove to him that we're children. He can say, Lord, I just need the car. I just need the car. You know, you know, tinted glasses, you know, the type that a maker has down the street so that nobody will be looking down on me. The angels just say, baby, wear your pampas. <laughs> yeah, wear your nappy. I'm telling you. When God came to Solomon, ask me for what I will do for you. A well-trained man did not remember food. I hope you're getting my point. Intercessors know the things that are important. We are not killing enemies, killing witches. Who wants to kill a witch? It's like somebody gives you a gun. You enter into the jungle. 
Your wife is there, your children are there, you don't give you maybe AK-47 with 100 rounds. And you are going to trek 100 kilometers inside the jungle with your wife and children. Will you fire at a bee? No, will you fire at a bee? Will you fire at a bee? Anything less than a lion? Any carnivore? Once you are not a carnivore, we will not waste our... You know, are you getting my point? We, don't want, we have 100 kilometers, we have 100 rounds. Each bullet must count. This is inside the jungle. So we are waiting for when lions will show. You look at the lion, aim very well. Kill one. <laughs> Tell the other people, that's what I can do. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that you don't waste ammunition on nonsense. Praying against witches is chasing bees when there are lions in the front, in front. That's what I'm trying to say. Christians have been killing, you know, killing house flies with their prayers. Let us gather. Every house fly that will fly across our destiny. It will die. So all the power God gave us, that is, snakes will be biting us, <laughs> be killing house flies. Lions will be tearing the, fo- no, tearing our goods, tearing our sheep, killing our animals, will be there killing flies. The flies came to perch on the poo of the sheep. You remember that? No flies. When you have a poultry, flies will come there, two of us. They will be there killing flies. Meanwhile, hyenas are taking our fowls and disappearing to the bush. That's how we waste serious prayer power. Every people at this church now gathering to kill witches, they are a waster of ammunition. Yes, they are wasting spiritual ammunition. Let me say to those who may be afraid, witches can't kill you. They, can't, they don't know how to kill people that are in Christ. They don't know how to. They are afraid for their lives. I mean, I'm, I'm not afraid to shake anybody's hands. You know why? If you are a real witch, you are, you don't, the fear is your portion, not my portion. If I shake a witch's head, you know, when they say they, they touch you, something will disappear. I, I collected a grace from God. <laughs> so when I shake your hand and you wish your brain will disappear. That's my own portion. That's the prayer I pray to God. If I shake you, <clears throat> if you have power to disappear people's parts, me, I'm waiting for you. Come, come and shake my hand. When I shake you, your brain will disappear in Jesus. <laughs> what I'm trying to say, look, we don't waste prayer power on things like that. That's what I'm making. We can't waste our prayers on what? On flyers. Let's tackle serious things. Let's ask to our feet. Second Thessalonians chapter 3. We read it just now. Let's read it again. Everybody. We can't be wasting our prayers on things. Are we there? Alright, let's read it again. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly and be glorified just as it did also with you. One prayer point we are going to take today. Let us pray, everybody. Lift up your voices and say, Lord, let your word spread rapidly in this not country. We are praying for Nigeria. Down to Asurok. Let your word spread rapidly and be glorified. Begin to pray. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus. If you don't know what to say, just read that language. Just read it like that. Open that scripture and be reading it. Say, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that the gospel will spread rapidly in this country and be glorified. Just as I have believed, many will believe in the name of Jesus. In the airwaves, it will spread. By people moving around on foot, it will spread. In churches, it will spread. In crusades, it will spread. It will spread from Sokoto. It will spread to Meduguri. It will spread from Portacot to Calabar all the way to Lagos. It will spread to Abuja. It will spread into Asorok in the name of Jesus. Lift your voice and pray. Say, Lord, let this gospel, the word of the Lord, let it spread rapidly and be glorified. 
Let it spread rapidly, Lord, and be glorified. Pray that the true gospel, not the false gospel, the true gospel will spread rapidly and be glorified. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He was talking the context of prayer, actually. He was talking the context of prayer. What should your prayer be? It is first of all for the kingdom of God to be established. Well, that's what we need. If God grants prosperity, it is so that the kingdom may be established. If he grants peace, it is so that the kingdom may be established. If he grants progress, it is so that the kingdom may be established. So let us pray. Say in the name of Jesus that your word, the word of the Lord. Let's pray for the people who are spreading that gospel. That wherever they go, they will lack nothing. They will be delivered from wicked men. They will be delivered from evil. No evil will befall them. That if anyone rises to preach in the center of any city in this nation, or in a remote village, that no enemy will be able to touch him. No enemy of the gospel will be able to touch her. In the name of Jesus, that these people going out to preach, they will be delivered. Like Paul said, that will be delivered from perverse and evil men. Many of them are false brethren. The Lord, let them be delivered. Expose the false brethren amongst them and deliver them in the name of Jesus. Be- begin to pray, pray. Say, Lord, every resource is needed. Every resource is needed. Say, the Lord has sent me and his spirit. Lord, endure them with power. Pray that prayer. Say, Lord, this gospel in this nation will be spread with power. Ah, I remember those days when we hear of crusades, we expect to go and see miracles. Now people are paying to have miracles staged. No, not anymore. In the name of Jesus, it's not just, no, the, not just words, but the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That's what we're asking for. That this gospel will be spread with the power of God in tangible manifestation. I like the way the church prayed that time in the book of Acts. He said, Lord, behold their threats. After beholding their threat, what do you do? He said, now stretch forth your hand to do miracles at the mention of the name of Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, that in this nation, the mention of the name of Jesus in the preaching of the true gospel, we get miracles done. Pray. That the mention of the name of Jesus, we get miracles done. He said, behold their threats. But we are not afraid of their threats. What we are just saying is that, Lord, let miracles, let signs and wonders accompany our, our preaching. Let it accompany our preaching. It's an important prayer. That's what intercessors do. Spiritually, we make ways in the spirit for the gospel to move all over the nation. I want us to do something. Each person, pick three places. Okay, all of us will pick Enugu because we are there right now. Pick the state of your origin where you come from and all the states you have lived in in this country. And take the next five minutes and pray for those states. According to what we have said so far. Now begin to pray. Of course, we, all, we live in Enugu, so we'll pray for Enugu. Then, for example, if you're from Anambra State, pray for Anambra State. Pray for Enugu State. But you did your NYC in Kogi, pray for Kogi State. You go to preach in Bauchi, pray for Bauchi State. You have business in Kano, pray for Kano State. Just mention all those states. You go to Lagos once in a while, pray for Lagos State. You visit your uncle who's in Port Harcourt, pray for River State. Your father has business in, uh, uh, in uh, Abba. Pray for Abia State. Just name all those states that you have a connection with. One year you were there, NYSE, pray for them. 
One year NYC were there. Don't forget the place. I stayed in Taraba State those days, so I prayed for Taraba State. The Father, in the name of Jesus, the gospel will spread there rapidly. That the gospel law will spread, spread there rapidly. That all the wars there will cease, so that the gospel can spread. That every war in Taraba State will cease, so that the gospel can spread. I pray the same. Oh, for many states in Nigeria, I go to Sokoto once in a while. I've gone to preach in Kaduna a number of times. I was born in Ondo State and I grew up there. Went to school in Edo State, Lagos. All these places, Father, I pray for these states in the name of Jesus. That the gospel will spread rapidly. And that the word of the Lord be glorified. That the name of Jesus will be exalted in these lands. And in Enugu State, in the name of Jesus. Every corner of Nigeria... We claim for the, for the Lord Jesus Christ. We are his people on the earth. That is what prayer is for. We should do this regularly. We should do this regularly. Enough of praying for what we shall eat, what we shall drink. And with what shall we clothe ourselves? We are intercessors. Let us ask God, have mercy upon this place we have mentioned. Have mercy upon this land. And if you are not a Nigerian, please pray for your country. Pray. Have mercy upon the land. That's why God planted you there. He doesn't want to destroy places. But he will if nobody's asking for mercy. Let's ask the Lord, have mercy. Have mercy. Say, Lord, drive violence out of the land so that those who move spreading truth and righteousness will move in peace. Drive wickedness out of the land. And Lord, we ask, send laborers into the harvest field. We should pray that prayer next. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. He said, now, beseech the Lord of the harvest, that he will send laborers into the harvest field. Say, Lord, send laborers. Just say it simply. You don't have to speak big English. Just in simple terms, say, Lord, send laborers into the harvest field. Anoint men and women to go and preach this gospel. Anoint them with fire. Anoint them, Lord, with fire. With the power of the Holy Spirit. Let the power fall. Like the day of Pentecost. Giving boldness to the people. Driving fear away from their hearts. Filling their hands, Lord, with miracle working power. Let's pray that prayer. It's important. The church, ah, we have prayed for all kinds of things over the years. We have prayed for all kinds of things. That's the job of intercessors. That's what mercy does. Say, Lord, grant us mercy in this land. Pray for mercy. Pray for mercy. That is the assignment he has given us. Now let's begin to give the Lord thanks. Say, Father, we thank you. Because you have heard us. Let's give the Lord thanks. Say, Lord, we thank you. For you have heard us. Say, Lord, we thank you. For you have heard us. Say, Lord, we thank you. For you have heard us. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Let's declare in the name of Jesus. The word of the Lord will spread rapidly and will be glorified in this land. In the name of Jesus Christ. Say truth will spread rapidly. The name of Jesus will spread rapidly and will be glorified in every corner of this nation. From the north to the south, from the east to the west, 
in the center, in every nook and cranny, every corner, everywhere human beings are gathered. In the name of Jesus. The gospel will spread rapidly. The word of the Lord will be glorified. Say peace on the messengers. Say it again. Peace upon the messengers. Every messenger of the true gospel. You are protected. We declare upon you. No evil will befall you. No plague will come near your dwelling place. In the name of Jesus. Say every resources needed. You know Jesus said something. He said when I sent you out without anything. Did you lack anything? And they said nothing. That's the power of what God does. That's the power of answers to prayers. That's the power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So let's declare upon them, say in the name of Jesus. Every messenger of this gospel. Everyone carrying this truth. We speak to you. You will lack nothing. Jesus said, do you lack anything? They said nothing. Say it again, you will lack nothing. Wherever you go, you will lack nothing. People of peace will wait for you. And they will receive you into their homes. In the name of Jesus Christ. Now let's say this again. Every called person. Hiding in different places. Right now. Move. In the name of Jesus. I hope you know it applies to you. Shouting move. <laughs> You'll be moving people are hiding in Lagos. You did hear the hide too. Say in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Move. move. You know you are talking to yourself. Oh. Say you know. Yes, Don't because of that. Those, in fact, it's too late. The rest of us are moving you. <laughs> Say in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Every hiding saint. Every hiding saint. Come out. Come out. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Receive the boldness of the Holy Spirit. Receive the boldness of the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit of boldness. And preach the gospel of Jesus. Let's give the Lord thanks because he has heard us. Let's give the Lord thanks. Say, Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Remember, as an intercessor, a discipline for your tongue. I need to say that before we close. What did I say? Say, discipline for my tongue. You are an intercessor. Say, I am an intercessor. Therefore, I am disciplined. Please don't join your friends to run nonsense commentary. I hope I get my point. Prophesy according to what you want to see. In line with what you are praying for. You only allow to alter the, the mind of God. We have enough critics. We don't need more. I hope I get my point. What did I say? We have enough critics. We don't need more. We don't need more. What we lack are intercessors. And today we are all reminded. We are not recruited. We are reminded. We were recruited long ago. We are reminded of our duty. God has planted us wherever we are so that we will inject the life of God there by our prayers. That is the higher purpose of Christian prayer we are talking about. All the needs people are running up, up and down for. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all those things will be added to you. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. 
all things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of multiplication, dominion, and manifestation. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Now, quickly bless four people around you. Say, this is your season of dominion, dominion and manifestation. Three more people, this is your season. Two more people, this is your season of multiplication, dominion, and manifestation. One more person. One last one for yourself. This is my season. Manifestation. All right. Cheer up, brethren. God bless you.